Thank you for tuning in to the ADHD Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Gloria Joy Sherrod, licensed clinical professional counselor and ADHD expert, and I'm here to share with you a wealth of information on how you can manage your ADHD in adulthood. So I'm here with Gabriella Blanco. Gabriella is a conscious parenting coach, founder of Healing Parents, and creator of the Healing Parents Approach. She loves humans, big and small, which is why she has a degree in human development and is trained by hand-in-hand parenting. She supports parents who are intentionally healing while parenting with the tools and community to create close and lasting relationships with their families and themselves. That is amazing. Welcome, Gabriella. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you, Gloria. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, and mainly because a lot of my followers have said that they really are interested in knowing how they can deal with the emotional dysregulation that comes with being a parent who has ADHD and kind of parenting a child who also might have difficulties with emotional dysregulation. So I felt like conscious parenting was a really good approach for this specific issue. Yes, definitely. So I guess I'll start with what inspired you to begin doing this work? Well, first, Gloria, I just really want to thank you for having me. It's really good to be with you in particular, because I truly believe that the best parents are supported parents. And the more specific support that we can receive and the more attuned and specific support we're able to give our kids, at the end of the day, that's kind of the the root of close relationship and feeling good and like we can live our lives the way we want to and in alignment with our values. So I just really want to thank you for having me. I feel really aligned with your approach to supporting parents as well. Um, Yeah. And so, okay. So what inspired me to begin doing this work? I've always liked working with children And what I realized when I was in college, I was a nanny, I worked at a daycare, um, I was studying human development, is that I loved also watching caregivers with children. So when I would nanny, I really loved watching what the mom did. That was really the first time I was ever exposed to a parenting book. My parents definitely just kind of, they, you know, they winged it. They did the best they could with what they had and what they knew. And I remember seeing books in this woman's house and saying, wow, like parents can learn how to be a parent. And that really struck me. Actually, I remember years later when I was going to have my daughter, I emailed that mom to say, what were those books again? And so because I was able to enter motherhood with more information more tools, just a little more confidence. I really experienced the difference between just trying to do this and also having some reference points of helpful information and helpful ideas of what to do, especially if you you knew that you didn't want to repeat what happened in your childhood. So that was one piece of it. But another is that, you know, as I was getting really into the respectful and gentle parenting content, which is a lot of kind of information and maybe scripts or ideas of what to do and what not to do. I also was incredibly depressed after my daughter was born. 
And I had been to therapy before, but this experience was where I met that one therapist. I think everybody who's done therapy can remember that moment where you finally worked with someone who just really helped you go there. Now I know it's, it's not only that she was, you know, very thoughtful and insightful, but she was also, I felt safe enough with her and that deep dive into my stuff and my wounds that were just getting like poked left and right when I became a mother made me realize that I had an opportunity to give my daughter at the most kind of important years of her life, a much more solid foundation than the one that I had. And I was also very afraid that I wasn't going to be able to do it, right? That I was going to repeat patterns. And so that's when I got into conscious parenting. And conscious parenting is this idea that, yes, we are, we are trying to parent differently. We are trying to actually show up differently for our children with regard to what we say and do to and with them, right? But also parenting is this calling, this invitation, this opportunity to go and heal that which is still waiting to be cared for and loved and healed within ourselves at the same time. So it's we're raising them and then we are realizing that we have all these inner children within us saying, wait, wait, this still hurts. You know, this, this is still really hard for me. And that's when I said, this is where it's at. Like this feels so right, so aligned, so meaningful. And I really wanted to share it with other parents. And so I decided to get trained, right, to like more specifically be able to support parents with the tools. And I also wanted something a little bit different because there's something that felt kind of flat about just trying to like learn all these scripts. And then maybe you go to therapy or you're reading self-help books. And so the piece that really kind of changed for me is the togetherness piece, like actually being in community with other parents, which initially I was like, ew, I don't, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) But really that's what I have found, you know, it really inspired me to create the community and work the way that I do now with parents, which is very community centered. It's all about, yes, learning the tools, yes, getting the information, yes, being supported in our healing, but it's, it's like all of that is just maximized so much when we do it in community, you know, which is how we're actually designed as humans to do it. So absolutely. I absolutely love that. I imagine that in your work, you do see a lot of parents who are afraid to perpetuate a cycle or afraid to kind of do the same things that were done in their childhood. How do you deal with maybe like the feelings of guilt that come along with that? Because I know that as parents, even as much as we try not to do the same things that were done to us or, you know, parent the same way, sometimes it's natural. How do we overcome that? Yeah. So I always invite parents to bring that guilt along for the ride and bring that fear along for the ride. You know, those those parts of us that are holding on to the fears and and to the guilt a lot of times it's because we fall into this space of scarcity there's not enough i'm not going to be a good enough parent in time there's not enough time i need to heal fast so that i can you know strategically get in there in these early years without all of my issues and all of my awful guilt and all of my fears 
And what I have found is that our guilt and our fears are really just a part of our story saying, wait, wait, I'm still here. And when we turn towards the stories that are within us, and when we turn inward and just say, hey, I can hear this fear, right? I can hear this fear that I will never be good enough. And with a little bit of support or really just a little bit of space to be with these parts of us, we realize, of course, I'm afraid I won't be a good enough parent. I was always afraid I wasn't a good enough daughter and human and student. And that's a very old wound. And that's something that I learned because of how I was raised, the culture I was raised in, you know, the ideas that were reinforced. And then the next fear often comes in, oh my gosh, but I'm doing that with my child. Like, I don't want to, but I know I'm nitpicking them every minute, or I'm doing this and I'm doing that, or I'm so dysregulated. And so then we listen to that. And we can, when we hear, oftentimes when we listen to the voices of those fears, we realize that's actually not true, right? Like that's my negativity bias, taking the times that I do repeat what was done to me and saying that defines my parenting. But really when we can step back with some perspective, we say, no, I'm actually, my child's experience is so different than mine because She's also having all these moments where she is seen and she is supported and she is cared for. Yeah. So usually those parts of us that, you know, are so stuck in fear and shame are also stuck in all or nothing thinking. And so we think that we have to be the right kind of parent or do things differently all the time. And actually, you know, science tells us that we need to be providing our children with these safe and attuned experiences between 30 and 50% of the time. And so our negativity bias is going to tell us that maybe that 50% of the time where we're just really, man, I got too dysregulated. I, you know, I missed my opportunity. going to tell us, nope, you, you're not a gentle parent anymore, Right. And really, that's a part of it. You know, parenting is going to actually cause us to reenact these patterns. But what we get to do differently now is see them. And when we witness ourselves doing these things that we don't want to do, we get to choose to speak to ourselves differently. We get to choose to say, you know what, this makes sense. There's a lot going on right now. This makes sense because this is how my brain works. This makes sense because this is a really old story. And the fact that I'm seeing it instead of just fighting with it is already creating an energetic intergenerational shift, right? And so those tiny shifts that we think that doesn't really, that doesn't make a difference because I'm not acting differently all the time, my child, they're huge, right? That is how we break cycles. It's not just about oh, you know, I don't force them to say please and thank you. Oh, you know, I learned that I'm not supposed to say this. I should say that. These things can help. But really the work that creates these felt changes within ourselves and in our families is that choice that we now have to say, yeah, I feel really scared. I feel really guilty. And I'm going to meet myself where I'm at. I'm going to bring some compassion to myself. And that 
strengthens my leadership and ability to actually make different choices and show up differently over time more often than I could, I would think now, right. It could be possible. Yes. Wow. I will say that my history is in parent educating. I did that kind of earlier on in my career, started off as a daycare teacher and then did some parent education. And I was parenting early parenthood at the exact same time. And I experienced a ton of that guilt of knowing and teaching the parenting strategies all the time, but knowing that I wasn't able to do that all the time, especially before I knew I had ADHD. So I feel like the time that I heard that attunement, the 20 to 50% of the time statistic, that made me feel so much better as a parent. Like, okay, I don't have to get it right 100% of the time to be a good parent. But I feel like this conscious parenting takes it to the next level as a whole, because it takes all those little rules and the things you're supposed to do and also pairs that with dealing with the trauma, dealing with the guilt, dealing with some of those things that we might have going on in our heads as we're trying to apply these things. So what would you say is the difference or is there a difference between conscious parenting and gentle parenting? Yeah, I mean, I think the main difference would be that gentle parenting or positive parenting or respectful parenting or nonviolent parenting, you know, we kind of hear it referred to in all these different ways. And the general idea with all of these different ways of parenting is that we're moving from kind of behaviorist based model where we are, you know, trying to shift our children's behaviors and we're trying to teach them to be good people. And we're shifting into a vision of We are meeting a human being who came into this world with a sole purpose and we are guiding them and we are providing, you know, what it is our responsibility to provide for them, which is leadership and, you know, developmentally they need us for survival. We're providing the conditions for them to thrive through connected relationship. And so often that looks like having to learn and unlearn a lot of ways of being with a child, you know? And so catching ourselves when we think we automatically want to teach and instead stepping back, leaving a pause, letting them fill up the space and then meeting them where they're at, right? So there's maybe some scripts or some practices or some tools that we can learn in order to show up in this way. And developmental science tells us that, you know, this is what will allow us to actually have a close and lasting relationship with them but also allow them to have a close and lasting relationship with themselves, you know, as they grow up and they eventually leave our homes and leave our care. And that's what we want for them. And conscious parenting is this idea that we are meant to do our own work at the same time. And we are meant to have this opportunity to meet ourselves again, where we're at and growing closer, more connected relationship to ourselves. I don't really appreciate when it's talked about as you have to, you know, sometimes people will say, if you're gentle parenting and you think that's not enough, no, you have to heal your wounds too. And you have to face, and you know, I I really prefer that we remember that this is an opportunity and that we get to, like we get to bring more support and care to ourselves as well. And yes, that often implies a very painful step of acknowledging what we didn't get. And it can push us sometimes to have a more intimate relationship with grief from our own childhoods. But it's not just about that. And it's not just about doing it so that then we can be regulated for our kids or so that then we can be good parents. But really, 
because what makes us any, we are humans, just like our children. What makes us any different? We have a different responsibility than they have. Yes. But why don't we get to try for a more connected life, you know, for feeling that greater sense of belonging and worth. So for me, I think, I know as humans, we are all meaning makers. I am such a meaning maker. I want to make like meaning of everything. Conscious parenting just really felt like, oh, it really brings this sense of purpose and meaning to this instead of just trying to be a good mom or trying to be in that scarcity mindset of, oh my gosh, I just don't want to mess her up. I just don't want her to feel the way I did. Well, what if we even move beyond that and say, wow, I get, I get to have, to provide a sense of freedom for her, right? I get to even try having that sense of freedom for me, which initially felt so uncomfortable, right? But conscious parenting is all about that. These like uncomfortable things, but you're like, that's such a tempting invitation though. Like what if I I try these new ways of being with myself as well? Wow. So when I hear you say that immediately, I think of all of the memes and the things online that we see. I don't know if they're memes, usually like graphic quotes, but that say to us, you have to heal before you XYZ have children or get into a relationship. So what do you say to that quote? And I get you kind of just answered it. Yeah, well, I don't love that quote. And I actually want to tie it into, you know, like your work. It's like, it would be so absurd to say to somebody, well, we got to like fix your ADHD and then you can have a child or you can have healthy relationships. It's like, no, we embrace this part of ourselves. And sometimes it has to do with our stories and what happened to us. And sometimes it has to do with how we were born, right? And at the end of the day, it's, this is who I am. And I can either move forward in my relationships in a way that is loving to myself, that honors myself, and that brings the support and care that I need because of my particular story, because of my particular design, so that I'm able to feel good, right? About how I'm showing up for myself, but also how I'm showing up for others. And so this idea that we have to heal, quote unquote, first, because, you know, healing, there's no, and, you know, it's not linear, you're not ever done. So how is healing another way of loving myself, right, that I bring into my life as I am engaging in what, to me, is the most important process of our lives, which is our relationships to other humans and to ourselves. And, you know, for a lot of people, also a greater, you know, force that, you know, all of the, you know, the way we feel in relationship determines so much of the quality of our lives. So why not do that in a way that is loving and honoring of our stories and of who we came to be? Yes. Wow. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And I would say that the relationships that we have with other people teach us about ourselves more than anything in the entire world. Like nothing gets those wounds and those things we need to learn more than relationships. That is so true. Yeah. And that actually, I feel like that comes back to your question about guilt and fear. You know, we can so quickly see, wow, that's one of my really big fears. You know, anything that sets off massive amounts of guilt and fear in our parenting, it's like this little data point for us to say, oh, wow. You know, because the things that are scary to me about parenting may be very different 
the things that are scary to you because we hone in on different things because of our own stories and the parts that hurt us the most, right? So it's these kind of little data points of, oh, here's something in my story I can bring some care to, some perspective to, some healing to, maybe some extra support to. So instead of trying to push it to the side or ignore it or whatever we do with guilt and shame, kind of using that as information to make the changes and to grow with that. Yes. And to, to bring the care really, because it's really telling us that there's this part of us. It's like, I feel unworthy, right? I feel like a horrible human because of that mistake I made. And at some point we learn that. So we can go back and say to ourselves, you're such a lovable human, right? You're such a beautifully imperfect human. Oh my gosh, you must feel so bad. Let's bring you some care. Let's remind you how loved you are. It can be so powerful to just shift the way we speak to ourselves and bring people into our lives that know how to speak to us in those ways when we just can't do it for ourselves, right? Because regulation can be done, you know, on our own when the emotional charge is to a certain level. But sometimes that emotional charge is so high that we really do need that human co-regulation, just like our kids need it from us. Absolutely. I have received so many questions about attachment and ADHD and what attachment styles are most common with ADHD. And what I found was that avoidant and disorganized attachment were the most common attachment styles in adults who have ADHD. And I imagine kind of in the research that I read is that a lot of it is that emotional dysregulation and this attachment style kind of go hand in hand. So Kind of what you're talking about, that love that we're giving to ourselves and to our children and to one another is what kind of soothes that and encourages that emotional regulation. So it kind of in turn happens naturally that we learn to regulate ourselves from this kind of strategy that you're talking about of using community. Yes. Well, you know, those those attachment styles come from a sense of scarcity of love right? There's not enough. So how am I going to show up in ways that will make me feel loved and connected to the world, to my caregivers, to myself? And so usually that happens because we received too many signals of scarcity, right? We didn't have that balance of enough signals of abundance that, you know, 30 to 50% we were talking about. And so what we can do now is add more experiences that remind us of the abundance of love, right? That there actually is a lot of love out there for us, even though we decided when we were very young that there isn't and that we have to use these strategies, right? This is how we teach our bodies. And community is definitely one way, you know, the co-regulation, having people that you know will remind you that you are lovable when you just cannot remember that for yourself. But also, you know, all of these self-regulation techniques where we can, we can know that a lot of this sense of scarcity is stored in the body. So how can we use our breathing? How can we use touch? How can we use some very simple and basic thoughts, right? To at least bring down that charge. So we can at least remember a little bit, right? So yeah, there's a lot of different ways that we can just with the knowledge of the that illusion of scarcity and separateness that we have and saying that that's an illusion though. There is actually enough love and goodness and peace and calm to go around to hold us all. But it's hard to remember that. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to say, oh, then I'm just going to, you know, 
I'm always going to choose to vibe high or I'm always going to, you know, any of that spiritual bypassy stuff. We want to say, no, no. And it's really hard for me to start teaching myself this new story. And I'm worthy of the learning and the support and the care to practice these shifts for myself. And I'm allowed to take my time and not just take one course and then suddenly, oh, I never, you know, dysregulation is never an issue anymore (laughs) in my parenting. We're allowed to take our time with this as well. Absolutely. Love that. What would you say is our most important job as parents when it comes to raising healthy, well-adjusted adults? (laughs) You know, the word leadership comes to mind. Our children need leaders. And I think that when we are unaware of our immaturity and the, the parts of us that we haven't yet been able to grow we're unable to show up as the leaders they need because we're, you know, our, our immaturity is taking over a lot of our parenting and we, and we're not aware of it. And also when we want to be more gentle parents, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that our children actually need us to be those steady leaders because that's how they feel safe enough to rest in their childhood because they know they don't have to be the adults. And so leadership really encompasses these very sacred responsibilities to get the support that we are worthy of and bring that leadership to ourselves, right? The the more I'm able to lead myself and my own healing process, the more of a solid leader my daughter is going to experience in me, the more clear I am on how to set loving limits based on, you know, my values, my family's values, and also my child's developmental needs and particular needs, the more solid of a leader I can be, the more I can consider just her development and what that means for play and how I can really protect play in her life. You know, all of these are choices that we make from a place of loving leadership the ability to not go into an authoritarian mindset, but still provide that very solid sense of leadership and authority that their bodies are telling them they need from us. They need to have someone to turn to, right? And it's through connection and cultivating relationship that we're able to provide them with a felt sense in their bodies that responds to that felt need of like, who's running the show here? Because I... (laughs) I'm not sure how this world works. Like I'm really new to it. And sometimes I feel really good and confident, but, and then I get really scared and like, where's my rock? Where's that foundation? So yeah, I, I I know a lot of people have resistance to the word leadership because we've associated it so much with, you know, the political leaders that we've had and, you know, these maybe corporate notions, but leadership is actually a very beautiful and sacred role that we can embrace as parents and meet our child's kind of deepest need for connecting through you know, being cared for and being led. Love that. I feel like that really bridges the concern that people have that conscious parenting or gentle parenting is permissive. And what you're saying is it's very important to have those loving limits. It's very important that they know they're protected because they have a bedtime or because they are required to do certain things, that there are rules and boundaries, but also not to the point where they feel like everything is controlled by you and they are out of control of absolutely everything. Yes. When, when they feel, it's like you're on a, on a ship and the captain says, I mean, if you want to take the helm, great. 
Yeah. And so when the, when the captain said, ooh, like, do you want to come watch me at the helm? Do you want to turn? Because this is a really safe patch, right? What else do you want to do while I'm at the helm? And how can I make sure that you feel good and safe as you're doing that? You know, that that is kind of what we want to call to mind when it comes to being that leader that helps them feel safe. Okay. So kind of that idea of scaffolding, I'm thinking of my early childhood development education. You lead them just enough so they feel confident in taking the rest of the way. Yes, that's a really important concept for parents to have, of course, where you're not saying go for it or don't. No, 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 not yet. You're not ready. But it's like and that requires attunement right? Our capacity to be reading them, reading the situation and providing that scaffolding in a way where they feel connected to us and feel that attunement. Well, this was amazing. I am just, I'm loving this conversation. I'm loving this information that parents are going to be able to get that you don't have to be a perfect parent. You don't have to completely fix yourself to be a good parent, that we can be healing our entire lives because we all are. It's a journey and also helping our children become successful, good, well-adjusted, whatever that means. I don't like the word good, but well-adjusted adults without us being perfect and completely regulated 100% of the time. Yes. Do you have any other thoughts on that specific point before we wrap up with all the program offerings that you have going on? Parentheses, what specifically? Just the idea, the general idea that parents don't have to be perfect and 100% regulated and that, you know, they have a chance to grow in that. Right. Well, my final thought on that is that we can even move beyond saying we don't have to do this and just say, I just get to be more me. And I get to learn all these different ways to be more me, which I know will make my life better because at the end of the day, my kids will go. And who am I left with? Right? Me. And also I will be able to provide my children with a more authentic version of their parent. And at the end of the day, that's what they really want. They just want us. They just want to know us, you know, that's so important to them when they're in those early years. So yeah, we don't have to be. And in fact, we get to be this imperfect and incredibly creative version of ourselves that perhaps only parenting was going to tell us we get to try. Lovely. Okay. So tell us more about the services that you provide and how you're helping parents do this in their own lives. So after several years of working with parents, I kind of put a name to the approach of the Healing Parents community. That's a Healing Parents approach and it's tools, togetherness, and transformation. And so the ways that people are can join the community is by taking the course. I have a course that I offer several times a year called the Healing Parents course. And that's where you're able to learn a lot of the tools um, that will help you in your relationship with yourself and with your child um, and start experience some of that, experiencing some of that togetherness that some people are hesitant about at the beginning, right? So it's these kind of smaller, safer doses of, well, you know, what if, what if we do this particular listening activity together? And then I also have a membership community where parents who have taken the course are invited to participate in a weekly space that is really designed to create the support once you're implementing all those tools. Because as you know, 
<laughs> it's not just about learning them and then, oh, I'm just, you know, this is so easy every day. And what happens in that experience is that people really just start to have these very powerful shifts and transformations about how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their children, how they feel in their relationships. And yeah, and those are really the basic offerings. I also do individual coaching, but I've always invited parents to come into the community as well. That is so important. Thank you so, so much for sharing all this amazing information. I know that it's going to help so many people. And until next time, everyone, thank you for joining the ADHD Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Gloria Joy Sherrod, and we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the ADHD Coach Podcast. For more information, you can visit my website, GloriaJoySherrod.com. There you'll find information about coaching packages, purchasing my book, Adulting with ADHD, and viewing my documentary, also Adulting with ADHD. And of course, don't forget to subscribe.